0: Chapter 4 of The Mysteries of Paris, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andy Minter. The Mysteries of Paris by Eugène Sue, Volume 1. Chapter 4 The Chourineur's History. THE READER HAS NOT FORGOTTEN THOSE TWO GUESTS AT THE TAPY WHO WERE WATCHED SO CLOSELY BY THE THIRD INDIVIDUAL, WHO HAD COME INTO THE CABARET. WE HAVE SAID THAT ONE OF THESE FELLOWS, WHO HAD ON A GREEK CAP, AND CONCEALED HIS LEFT HAND WITH MUCH CARE, ASKED THE OGRESS IF THE SCHOOLMASTER AND GRAUBOATO HAD NOT ARRIVED. DURING THE STORY OF THE GOILEURS, WHICH THEY COULD NOT OVERHEAR, THEY HAD BEEN CONSTANTLY TALKING IN A VERY LOW TONE, throwing occasional hurried glances at the door he who wore the greek cap said to his comrade the gros watto doesn't show nor the schoolmaster perhaps the skillington's done for him and made off with the swag oh, precious goad that would be for us who laid the plant and look out for our snacks replied the other the newcomer who observed the two men was seated too far off to hear a word they said but after having cautiously consulted a small paper concealed at the bottom of his cap, he appeared satisfied with his remarks, rose from the table, and said to the ogress, who was sleeping at the bar, with her feet on the stove and her great cat on her knee, "'I say, mother ponies, I shall soon be back again. Take care of my pitcher and my plate. I don't want anyone to make free with them.' "'Make yourself easy, my fine fellow.' said mother ponise if your plate and pitcher are empty no one will touch them the newcomer laughed loudly at the joke of the ogress and then slipped out so that his departure was unnoticed at that moment when this man retired and before the door could be shut rudolph saw the charcoal dealer whose black face and tall form we have already alluded to and he had just time to manifest to him, by an impatient gesture, how much he disliked his watchful attendance. But the charcoal man did not appear to heed this in the least, and still kept hanging about the tabby franc The countenance of the goualeuse became still more saddened, with her back to the wall, her head drooping on her bosom, her full blue eyes gazing mechanically about her. The unfortunate being seemed bowed down with the weight of her oppressive thoughts." two or three times having met rudolph's fixed look she turned away unable to account to herself for the singular impression which the unknown had caused her weighed down and abashed at his presence she almost regretted having made so candid a narrative to him of her unhappy life the chourineur, on the contrary was quite in high spirits he had devoured the whole harlequin without the least assistance the wine and brandy had made him very communicative the fact of his having found his master as he called him had been forgotten in the generous conduct of rudolph and he also detected so decided a physical superiority that his humiliation had given way to a sentiment of admiration mingled with fear and respect this absence of rancour and the savage pride with which he boasted of never having been robbed proved that the sure nerve was not as yet thoroughly hardened this had not escaped the sagacity of rudolph and he awaited the man's recital with curiosity. Now, my boy, said he, we are listening. The chourineur emptied his glass and thus began: You, my poor girl, were at last taken up by the chouette, whom the devil confound. You never had a shelter until the moment when you were imprisoned as a vagabond. I can never recollect having slept in what is called a bed before I was nineteen years of age. A happy age! And then I became a trooper what have you served then Chourineur? said rudolph three years but you hear all about it the stones of the louvre the lime-kilns of clichy and the quarries of montrouge these were the hotels of my youth then i had my house in paris and in the country who but i and what was your trade faith master i have a foggy recollection of having strolled about in my childhood with an old rag-picker almost thumped me to death and it must be true for i have never since met one of these old cupids with a wickerwork quiver without longing to pitch into him a proof that one of them must have thumped me when i was a child my first employment was to help the knackers cut the horses throats at Montfaucon. i was about ten or twelve when i began to slash these poor old beasts it had quite an impression on me at the month's end i thought no more about it on the contrary i began to like my trade no one had his knife so sharpened and keen-edged as mine and that made me rejoice in using it when i cut the animals throats they gave me for my trouble a piece of the thigh of some animal that had died of disease for those that they slaughter are sold to the kagmag shops near the school of medicine who convert it into beef mutton veal game according to the taste of the purchasers however when i got my muscle of horse's flesh i was as happy as a king i went with it into the lime-kiln like a wolf to his lair and then with the leave of the lime-burners i made the glorious fry on the ashes when the burners were not at work i picked up some dry wood at romaine "'set light to it, and broiled my steak under the walls of the bone-house. "'The meat was certainly was bloody and almost warm, but that made a change.' Uh, "'And your name? What did they call you?' asked Rudolph. "'I'd oh, much more flaxen than now, and the blood was always in my eyes, "'so they called me the albino. "'The albinos are the white rabbits among men, and they have red eyes.' added the chourineur in a grave tone, and as it were, with a physiological parenthesis. And your relations, your family? No relations, for oh, they lodge at the same number as the Guilezes. Place of my birth, why, first corner of no matter what street, either on the right or left hand side of the way, and either going up or down the kennel. Then you have cursed your father and mother for having abandoned you. why that would not have set my leg if i'd broken it no matter no it's true they played me a scurvy trick in bringing me into the world but i shouldn't have complained if they'd made me as beggars ought to be made That's to say without the sense of cold hunger or thirst beggars who don't like thieving would find it greatly to their advantage you were cold thirsty hungry sure enough and yet you did not steal no "'and yet I was horribly wretched. "'It's a fact I've often gone with an empty bread-basket. Uh, two days at a time. Well, "'That was more'n my share, but I never stole. "'For fear of jail?' <laughs> "'Poor!' said the chourineur, shrugging his shoulders and laughing loudly. "'I should then not have stolen bread for fear of getting my lands, eh? <laughs> "'An honest man I was famishing. "'A thief I should have been supported in prison, and right well too.' but i didn't steal because because the idea of stealing never came across me so that's all about it this reply noble as it was in itself but of the rectitude of which the shuriner himself had no idea perfectly astonished rudolph he felt that the poor fellow who had remained honest in the midst of the most cruel privations was to be respected twofold since the punishment of the crime became a certain resource for him Rudolph held out his hand to this ill-used savage of civilization, whom misery had been wholly unable to corrupt. The chourineur looked at his host in astonishment, almost with respect. He hardly dared to touch the hand tendered to him. He felt impressed with some vague idea that there was a wide abyss between Rudolph and himself. "Tis well," said Rudolph to him. "You have heart and honor." heart honour what do i come now don't chaff me he replied with surprise to suffer misery and hunger rather than steal is to have heart and honour said rudolph gravely "Eh, well it might be said the chourineur, as if thinking it might be so does it astonish you it really does because people don't usually say such things to me and they generally treat me as they would a mindy dog it's odd, though, the effect what you say has on me. Art? Honour? he repeated, with an air which was actually pensive. Well, what ails you? Oh, I faith, I don't know, replied the chourineur in a tone of emotion. But these words, do you see, they quite make my heart beat, and I feel more flattered than if anyone had told me I was a better man than either the skeleton or the schoolmaster. I never felt anything like it before to be sure though these words and the blows of the fist at the end of my tussle you know, did lay em on like a good and, not alluding to what you pay for supper and the words you said in a word he exclaimed bluntly as if he could not find language to express his thoughts make sure that in life or death you may depend on the churiner rudolph unwilling to betray his emotion replied in a tone as calm as he could assume "'How long did you go on as an amateur knacker?' "'Why, at first I was quite sick of cutting up old worn-out horses "'who could not even kick. "'But when I was about sixteen and my voice began to get rough, "'it became a passion, a taste, a relish, a rage with me to cut and slash. "'I didn't care for anything but that, not even eating and drinking. Nor should I have seen me in the middle of my work.' "'except an old pair of woolen trousers, I was quite naked. "'When, with my large and well-wetted knife in my hand, "'I had about me fifteen or twenty osses waiting their turn, "'by ah, Jupiter, when I began to slaughter them, "'I don't know what possessed me. "'I was like a fury. "'My ears had singing in them, and I saw everything red. "'all was red, and I slashed and slashed and slashed "'until my knife fell from my hands.' thunder what happiness and how millions i could have paid em to enjoy my trade is it that which has given you the habit of stabbing said rudolph oh, very likely but when i turned of sixteen the passion became so strong that when once i began slashing i became mad i spoiled my work yeah, i spoiled the skins because i slashed and cut em across and across "'for I was so furious that I could not see clearly. "'At last they turned me out of the yard. "'I wanted employment with the butchers, "'because I always liked that sort of business. "'When well, they quite looked down upon me, "'they despised me as a shoemaker does a cobbler. "'Then I had to seek my bread elsewhere, "'and I didn't find it very readily. "'And this was a time when my bread-basket was often empty. "'At length I got my employment in the quarries at Montrouge. "'But at the end of two years I was tired of always going around like a squirrel in his cage "'and drawing stone for twenty sous a day. "'I was tall and strong, so I enlisted in a regiment. "'They asked my name and my age and my papers. "'My name? The albino. My age? Look at my beard. "'My papers? Here's the certificate of the master quarryman. "'As I was just the fellow for a grenadier, they took me.' with your strength courage and taste for chopping and slashing you ought in wartime to have been made an officer in lightning! what do you say what to cut up english or prussians why that would have been better than to cut up old horses but worse luck there was no war but a great deal of discipline an apprentice tries to hit his master a thump well if he'd be the weaker well i guess the worst of it If he be the stronger, he has the best of it. He's turned out of doors, perhaps put into a cage, and that's all. In the army it's quite a different thing. One day our sergeant had bullied me a good deal to make me more attentive. He was right, for I was very slow. I didn't like a poke he gave me. I kicked at him. He pushed me again. I returned his poke. He collared me, and I gave him a punch of the head. They fell on me, and then my blood was up in my eyes, and I was enraged in a moment. I had my knife in my hand. I belonged to the cookery, and I went it my hardest. I cut, slashed, slashed, chopped, as if I was in the slaughterhouse. I made cold meat of the sergeant, wounded two soldiers. It was a real shambles. I gave the three eleven wounds. Yes, eleven. Blood flowed, flowed everywhere. Blood as though we were in the house. I swam in it. The brigand lowered his head with a sombre, sullen air and was silent. What are you thinking of, Chourineur? Sure know, asked Rudolph with interest. Nothing, he replied abruptly. And then, with an air of brutish carelessness, he added, At length they handcuffed me, brought me for the bigwigs, and I was cast for death. You escaped, however. True, but i had fifteen years at the galleys instead of being scragged i forgot to tell you that whilst in the regiment i'd saved two of my comrades from drowning in the marne when we were quartered at milan another time you'll laugh and say that i'm an amphibious either in fire or water when saving men or women another time being in garrison at rouen all the wooden houses in one quarter were on fire and burning like so many matches i'm the lad for a fire so i went to the place in an instant they told me there was an old woman who was bedridden and couldn't escape from her room which was already in flames i went towards it and by jove how it did burn it reminded me of the lime-kills in my happy days however i saved the old woman although i had the very soles of my feet scorched thanks to my having done these things and the cunning of my advocate "'My sentence was changed, and instead of being scragged, "'I was only sent to the Ulks for fifteen years. "'When I found that my life would be spared and I was to go to the galleys, "'I would have jumped on the babbling fool and twisted his neck "'at the moment when he came to wish me joy, "'and tell me he'd saved my life, and be hanged to him. "'Only they prevented me. "'Were you sorry, then, to have your sentence commuted?' "'Yes, for those who sport with the knife.' The headsman's steal is the proper fate. For those who steal, the derby's to their heels, each is proper punishment. But to force you to live among galley slaves, when you have a right to be guillotined out of hand, is infamous. And beside my life, when I went to the banyer, yeah, was rather queer. One don't kill the man and soon forget it, you must know. You feel some remorse, then, sure enough? Remorse? Nah, for I've served my time. "'said the savage. "'But at first a night did not pass, but I saw, "'like a nightmare, the sergeant and soldiers "'whom I'd slashed and slaughtered. "'That is, they weren't alone,' added the brigand, "'in a voice of terror. "'There were in tens and dozens and hundreds and thousands, "'each waiting his turn, in a kind of slaughterhouse, "'like the horses whose throats I used to cut at Montfaucon, awaiting each his turn.' and then, then i saw red and began to cut and slash away on these men as i used formerly to do on the horses the war, however i chopped down the soldiers the faster the ranks filled up with others and as they died they looked at one with air so gentle so gentle that i cursed myself for killing them but i couldn't help it and that was not all i never had a brother Yet it seemed as if every one of those whom I killed was my brother, and I loved all of them. At last when I could bear it no longer, I used to wake, covered all over with sweat, as cold as melting snow. That was a horrid dream, Churinur. Sure ah, it was, yes. That dream, do you see, was enough to drive one mad or foolish. So twice I tried to kill myself. "'Once by swallowing verdigris, and another time by trying to choke myself in my chain. "'But, confound it, I'm as strong as a bull. "'The verdigris only made me thirsty, and as for the twist of the chain round my neck, "'why, that only gave me a natural cravat of a blue colour. "'Afterwards the desire of life came back to me. "'A nightmare ceased to torment me, and I did as others did.' "'At the banya you were in a good school for learning how to thieve.' "'Yes, but he was not to my taste. "'The other prigs bullied me, but I soon silenced them "'with a few thumps of my chain. "'It was in this way I first knew the schoolmaster, "'and I must pay him the compliment due to his blows. "'He paid me off, as you did some little time ago. "'He is then a criminal who has served his time. "'He was sentenced for life, but escaped.' "'Escaped and not denounced? "'I'm not the man to denounce him. "'Besides, it would seem as if I were afraid of him. "'But how is it that the police do not detect him? "'Have they not got his description?' "'His description? "'Oh, yes, yes, but it's long since he scraped out from his fizz "'what nature had placed there. "'Now, none but the baker who puts the condemned in his oven. "'That's the devil. would recognise him. "'The schoolmaster.' What has he done to himself? He began by destroying his nose, which was an hell long. He ate it off with vitriol. You jest. If he comes in the evening, you'll see. He has a nose like a parrot, and now it's as flat as in a death's head. Say nothing of his lips, which are as thick as your fist, and his face, which is as wrinkled as the waistcoat of a ragpicker. And so he is not recognized? six months since he escaped from Rochefort, "'and the Traps have met him a hundred times without knowing him. "'Why was he at the Banya? "'For having been a forger, thief, an assassin. "'He's called a schoolmaster because he wrote a splendid hand "'and had a good education. "'And is he much feared? "'He'll not be any longer when you've given him such a licking as you gave me. "'Ah, by Jove, I'm anxious to see it.' what does he do for a living he's associated with an old woman as bad as himself and as deep as the old one but she's never seen Now he's told the ogress that some day or other he would bring his mop with him his woman and this woman helps him in his robberies yes and in his murders too they say he brags of having already with her assistance done for two or three persons and among others three weeks ago a cattle-dealer on road to poissy whom they also robbed he will be taken sooner or later they must be very cunning as well as powerful to do that for he always has under his blouse a brace of loaded pistols and a dagger he says that Charlot, the executioner waits for him "'He can only lose his head once, and so he'll kill all he can kill to try and escape. "'Oh, he makes no mystery of it, and he's twice as strong as you and I. "'They'll have a tough job, who will take him. "'What did you do, sure enough, when you left the banyer?' I offered myself to the master lighterman of the Quai saint paul "'and I get my livelihood there. "'But as you've never been a prig, why do you live in the Cite? "'Well, where else can I live? "'Who likes to be seen with a discharged criminal? "'I should be tired of always being in alone, "'for I like company, and here I am with my equals. "'I have a bit of a row sometimes, "'and they fear me like fire in the city, "'but the police have nothing to say to me, "'except now and then for a shindy, "'for which they give me perhaps twenty-four hours at the watch-house, "'and there's an end of that. "'What do you earn a day?' Thirty-five sous for taking in the river foot baths up to the stomach from twelve to fifteen hours a day, summer and winter. But let me be just and tell the truth. So if though having my toes in the water, I get the green wee, note a disease of the skin to which all who work in the water are liable. I'm allowed to break my arms in breaking up old vessels and unloading timber on my back. I begin as a beast of burden and end like a fish's tail. "'When I lose my strength entirely, "'I shall take a rake and wick a basket, "'like the old rag-picker whom I see "'in the recollections of my childhood.' "'And yet you're not unhappy?' "'They're worse than I am. "'We my dreams of the sergeant and soldiers "'with their throats cut, From I've had dreams still sometimes. "'I could quietly wait for the moment "'when I should drop down dead "'at the corner of some dunghill, "'like that at which I was born. "'But the dream... A dream, by heaven and earth, I don't even like even to think of that," says the chourineur, and he empties his pipe at the corner of the table. The goualeuse had hardly listened to the chourineur; she seemed wholly absorbed in a deep and melancholy reverie. Rudolph himself was pensive. A tragic incident occurred, which brought these three personages to a recollection of the spot in which they were. End of chapter 4